All righty, thank you, Lord. Everybody's good? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes, all the time, I think people, we need a new revelation of worship, meaning it's healthy for us to worship the Lord. It's healthy for people to come together and worship the Lord. I think God really wants to remind us of that simple truth of worshiping Him. And worshiping Him as a body, because we're the body of Christ. And God's looking for worshipers. Uh, that's what the Bible tells us. That's the one person in the Bible that God declares that He's looking for. And that means not everybody's a worshiper, right? And so this morning, I think that I wanted to ask you are you a worshiper? I'm not actually preaching on this, but I'm asking you if you really are a worshiper. And, of course, we know that worship is more than just what you do on Sunday. Obviously, if you're a real worshiper, you really know that. But it, it, it includes what we do when we come together. It's not, it's not a foolish thing to worship the Lord. It's, not, it's something that will make a, a huge difference in your life and create health uh, in your body, I believe. And if the Father's looking... For worshipers, we should be raising our hand and saying, here I am. Here I am, Lord. I'm a worshiper. And if you don't really have that vision for worship, why don't you ask the Lord to let his presence come into your life in a real way? Because when his presence comes and touches you, you'll become a worshiper at that moment. That's, that's the key to worship, I think, is the presence of the Lord. Amen. Also, another thing, uh, Larry said he saw these uh, angels that were f- uh, manifested themselves as fire. I actually saw uh, fires also, but I saw, uh, like, uh, have you ever seen pictures of the Civil War where there would be just uh, a campsite and tents for as far as the eye could see and these campfires? Has everybody seen that? It's an amazing uh, picture of what God wants to do. and what, But what I was feeling, I remember many years ago, Bob Jones had a word, and he said that God was going to bring a civil war into the church. A civil war. And he said it was going to be a war between the gray and the blue. The gray being our natural mind, and the blue being the spiritual realm. And God really wants our natural minds to become servant to the heavenly realm. You know, your mind is a, like we've said many times, your mind is a beautiful thing as long as it's the servant. But when it becomes your master, it becomes a very ugly, dirty thing. And so I believe this morning one of the things the Lord wants us to do is to s- submit our minds to Him and ask Him to bring it. Because that's what I felt the fires were. I, thought the, I felt the fires were God bringing the fire of heaven into our minds. Amen. And I believe that fire is available for us this morning. So let's just, yeah, let's just pray right now. Lord, we just want to, we want to, you need to tell the Lord, I want to lose the war. I want to lose the war. I want you to win the war, Lord. Win the war for my mind, Lord. And one of the things the Lord's doing right now is he's helping people with strongholds. That's one of the things I see the Lord doing. He's helping people with strongholds. A stronghold is nothing more than a fortress that's built around a lie, that's protecting that lie, and that lie is affecting your life. And God wants to free people. He wants to free people with strongholds. And we all have strongholds. If you think you don't, you're very much full of a big stronghold. (laughs) It's called delusion. (laughs) You know, recently the Lord's brought some... A revelation in my life about some strongholds that I've had and freed me. And uh, Becky has been ha- experiencing that also. So I just believe there's an increase in this. And so, Lord, we're asking you today to free us, Lord. Bring that fire from heaven into our minds, Lord. And let our minds become the true servant that you called them to be. To serve you, to serve your purposes, to serve us, Lord. Your mind is a gate. That's what it is. It's a gate to the spiritual realm. And whatever you're going to experience in God is going to come based on what your mind allows or doesn't allow. In other words, the more you you can experience God more and more. If you're not experiencing God, it's because you're believing something that's keeping you from experiencing Him. 
and your belief is, is keeping you back. So what you need to do is submit that. If, if you want to really uh, experience the Lord, submit your mind and tell the Lord He has permission to be the gatekeeper of your life. That you say, Lord, you have the permission. You're the door. You're the door, Lord. I don't want to be the door no more. I want you to be the door, the doorkeeper of my mind. Just tell the Lord that. Tell him that. And if you'll tell him that, because, you know, the Bible gives us a picture, one of the last pictures it gives of, of Jesus. is He says, I'm standing at the door knocking. That's what it says. I'm standing at the door knocking. The door, that door is our minds. And if you will open your mind, I will be able to, you will come and I, you'll have an encounter with me. That's what it tells us. That's what it says right there in, in Revelation. That's what that's all about. So I really encourage you this morning, you know, to allow the Lord... And it is an exchange that I've learned. It's an exchange that I quit being the doorkeeper of my mind. I allow the Lord to become the doorkeeper. I tell him, you're the doorkeeper. You're in charge of my mind. You're the Lord of my mind. You're the Lord of my mind. Say, tell him that. Say, you're the Lord of my mind. Be the Lord of my mind. I make you the Lord of my mind. And if you'll do that, God will begin to work in your mind. It may have hurt your feelings a little bit, but I want you to think about something besides what you're thinking about. I want to read Acts 10, 38 and to start. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Amen? That's a good word. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Amen? God was with him. God anointed Jesus. So I think... Um, I think it would be good for us to pay more attention to Jesus. I think the church needs to put a focus on the person of Christ. Okay? And I think that there's something could happen for us as we give Him more of our, per- of our focus, purposefully focusing on the life of Christ and what Christ did and what Christ said is, can have a, an amazing uh, transformating power over your life. Um, it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Bible tells us there's two ways we're being, tra- at least two ways, that, that we're transformed as, as people. One is by changing the way we think. Right? That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing. Renewing the way your mind is renewed. You change the way you think. You get new thoughts. And this process of transformation, which, by the way, just in case you don't know it, that's the same word they use for a butterfly that goes through a metamorphosis. Right? That's what transform means. That you are metamorphosis. You change from one state to another state. You become something different. So when we get saved, we're all like a bunch of caterpillars. And over a period of time... We become butterflies, and it's a scientific fact that caterpillars and butterflies have the same DNA. They're equivalent. They're just in a different state. And so that's sort of a a picture of what it looks like. But the other way it tells us to be transformed is by we're transformed by what we look at and what we behold. And and so God is wanting us to to really put a focus on the person of Christ and on what he did and what he said and when we begin to do that, things can begin to really make a, a change in our life. There can be a transformation that can happen as Christ becomes the preeminent thought in our life. And he, into what he did and what he said becomes the greater focus in our life. Because there's a lot of information vying for our attention. And we have to make a decision about what we're going to allow into our minds and we're going to have to make a decision in what we think about and what we look at. And so I believe we're in a time now where, where God wants to, to bring himself and reveal himself to us. And he want, he's asking us to put more focus on Christ. And so one of the things um, in the Bible that's been a, a blessing to the church is, you know, what Christ, you know, said when he was dying. Y'all know about the, the seven sayings of the cross. I don't know. If you've never went and looked, you get seven things that he said while he was dying. Uh, and you find them in the, in the four Gospels. And it's pretty amazing. You know, all of them are, are you know, the, the 
dying word, uh, the last words of a dying man are, are powerful words, especially when that dying man happens to be Jesus Christ, right? Uh, real powerful. I love that, and I love to to, to meditate on, on those words. But I've been thinking recently about the words of Christ after he died and was resurrected. I think those are a whole nother level of words that God wants to bring to us. And God had things on his heart, the Bible teaches us, there were things that he wanted the people around him and, and us people to know that were really important to him after he was raised from the dead. And I think sometimes we take for granted those things and we don't really think about those things, but they had to be important if those were things that this guy who died and came back alive was wanting to talk about. And I think that's what we need to be talking about. We need to be thinking about what he was thinking about. That's how you change the way you think. You find out what he was thinking about and think that. It's as simple as that because I've always asked the Lord, well, how am I going to change? You know, repent means change the way you think. How am I gonna, what am I going to think about, Lord? Well, think about what I think about. If you just think about what I think about, something will happen in your life. So I wanted to read this in Acts 1, 1 through 3. It says, the former account I made, O Theopolis, that former account was the book of Luke uh, because Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and he's also the guy who writes Acts. And this Theopolis guy was some kind of really important person, uh, you know, that he was addressing and he was just talking, you know, giving him the story of, of Christ. Uh, all that Jesus began both began both to do and teach. So, it's beautiful that he used that word, begin. In other words, it wasn't the end of what he was going to do. And it wasn't the end of what he was going to teach. It was just the beginning. And what does that mean to us this morning? What does it mean to us this morning that Jesus began something? Does it mean he's going to, that he, he's going to keep doing it? No. If you read the story, he left. And he left, left the finishing up to us. He began it. He wants us to finish the job on the earth. And of course, he equips us to do that. He later tells us. And this is basic Christianity, but it's profoundly will change your life if we begin to take it literally. Too many people are not taking it literally. And until the day in which he was taken up, after he threw, listen to this, after through. The Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now listen, verse 3. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by, listen, by many infallible proofs. By many infallible proofs. Having, having been seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So this is one thing that's really important to the Lord. He wanted to make sure that they and us knew for a true fact that he was alive. Okay? That was something really important. So he spent 40 days proving to his disciples. It sounds crazy. If somebody you knew were dead and came back, you would just think, well, we just know he's alive because here he is. But there's something more to this. God has this desire. You see, he has this desire for us to really understand something about him and believe something about him that's far greater than what we've believed and be persuaded by this thing that, that he's alive. In fact, everything... And Christianity hinges on that one truth. That's why he spent 40 days making sure. Because without that truth, without Christ being alive, then there's no Christianity. Christianity doesn't exist apart from him. And we take it for granted. We don't even think about this. Hardly. We take the most important truth. Take that truth away. There's no Christianity. If somebody could prove with beyond a shadow of a doubt that he didn't rise from the dead, 
we would scatter like, a, like the dust in the breeze because we would have no reason. And I'll tell you something. I'm going to tell you something about this. I'm going to tell you right now, there's, this reaches deeper into your soul and deeper into your spirit that you, than you know. Way deeper. And see, we have, we have set this aside as being some, well, we just talk the basic, you know, new Christians about, about this. We just make this part of a statement of faith somewhere. But we don't allow that truth to penetrate into us like it should. And this truth will, it can, can transform our lives if we'll begin to uh, allow that truth, the value that God himself put on that truth. I really believe this. Let me read what Paul said really quickly. You know, some people may say, I'm giving an Easter message this morning. And perhaps that's part of the problem with the church, is we've relegated the resurrection to one day a year to talk about. Perhaps that's part of our problem. We've relegated it to a special moment. Well, we should do a special day to celebrate it. I'm not discounting that. But what about all the other days? I think we need to think about that. But this is what Paul said. I think it's really awesome. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. If Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith, listen, your faith is also empty. Empty faith, empty preaching if there's no resurrection. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. Your faith, empty faith, futile faith. You see, your faith literally sets on and rests on the truth of the resurrection. There's, it's futile and empty, and all this is just a joke apart from the resurrection. All this means nothing. It's emptiness. It's futility. Go home and do something different. Oh, Lord. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ has not risen. And if Christ has not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Listen to verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are not, we are of all men the most pitiable. We are the all men the most pitiable. See what he's saying? This, if we don't, if we put a hope in something that's, that's not true, we're pitiful. But he's saying we haven't put a hope in something that's not true. This resurrection is very true. This truth that Jesus Christ died a brutal death and came back from the dead and lived is life-changing and profound. And I'm here to say we're going to quit looking over this truth. We're going to live on this truth. Because this, we're, our, everything we've done with our lives is resting on this truth. And we're going to put this truth up in the place it deserves to be because it's going to impact our lives. Let me read Romans four, nineteen through 21. It says, this is talking about Abraham, And not being weak in faith, did not, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. Most people that are 100 are pretty dead, right? Even if they're alive. You know, they're walking around like, I'm about to die any moment. You know. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. This is insanity. She was nice. You know, they were thinking about having babies. This is the craziest thing on, in the Bible almost. If they were going to get together, a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman, is that just crazy to you? Yet they did. Somehow, through faith. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced, fully convinced that he 
had promised he was able to perform. So I believe this is what I feel like the Lord's telling me. In, in the realm of belief, in the realm of faith, it's a journey that we go on. Many times we're like the man in uh, Matthew 17 who, who had a son who was epileptic. And it was caused by this demon, and he kept throwing himself in the fire. Remember that story? Jesus had been on the Mount of Transfiguration, came down. His disciples couldn't heal him. And the Lord said, do you believe? And he said, yes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You, you, you get that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody feel that way? Does anybody feel that way about their faith? I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. You see, God really understands that about mankind. He understands that our faith is a journey, and we can, we can start out, and we can be weak in faith. We can be, I believe, but I'm weak. I, I, help me, Lord. Help me with my faith. And see, I, this is what Paul, uh, Paul was talking about Abraham here. Abraham came to a place where he just, just didn't believe, but he was convinced of something. And I'm going to tell you, a man who's convinced of something will act. But a man who's in the state of, I believe, but help my unbelief, he's going to waver on his actions. You see, if we really want to be moved, we need to become convinced. We need to become, Paul used this other term, same word in the Greek in Romans 8.32. He said, I'm persuaded. I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, things to come can, can separate me from the love of God. I'm persuaded of that fact. I'm so persuaded I have lived my life on that fact. Okay, and God wants to persuade people about the, about the resurrection, about the truth that Christ is alive, that he was a dead man. He, he don't want you just to believe it just like, yeah, I believe that. That's, that's the basic truth of Christianity. He wants us to go. He wants us to get convinced. He wants us to get persuaded because that's the thing that we have to give the world that nobody else has to give it. We have this guy who got brutally killed, and now this guy's alive. That's what we have to give people. We have a live God, a living God. That's all we have to give. We don't have anything else to give. We're trying to give them things they don't need. We're trying to give them a good church service. They don't need a church service. They need a living God. And they need that living God to express himself through us. I believe that's where God wants to take the church. I really believe that. Well... <laughs> I believe that person, uh, well, here's one thing the Lord's been talking to me about. I, we're in a different place. This is what the Lord is telling me. You, you need to get this mindset. You need to get the mindset that you're here to impact culture. Not culture impact you. Now listen, everybody, if you... If you are raised in the South, you have a Southern culture, okay? You, it's just easy for you because you grew up that way. You grew up eating pinto beans, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's just no big deal. I mean, greens and, you know, and biscuits, you know? I mean, that's just normal stuff. I mean, nobody's trying to be, you don't have to try to be anything. You are that, that, and from that perspective, culture is not a bad thing. If you are born in China and you eat Chinese food all the time, it, it's just normal to you. But if you go visit there, it don't feel normal when you eat it. Okay? But to them, it's normal to eat with sticks all the time. That's culture. There's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about the culture of the world itself. And you see, we're more influenced by the world than we're influencing the world. And God wants to change that. And a person who's convinced in their heart about the resurrection Christ has a foundation to live on and has a direction to go in. They really do. And this is not an Easter message. God wants to do something different with the church in America. He really does. And I believe it, a lot of it's going to come out of very simple, basic things. 
but they're, they're profound things. And I believe the resurrection is profound. And I believe God want, wants to make it so real to us. I wanted to read a, um, Romans 14, 7 through 9. Are y'all okay? I hope you're happy. Listen to what Paul said. This is really, this is really something the Lord has been talking to me about also. It says, For none of us lives to himself. None of us lives to himself. And no one dies to himself. Now, I'm telling you, that's, we need to get that. You don't live to yourself. You don't die to yourself. For if we live, we live in the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Whether you live or die, you belong to the Lord. Okay? For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again. Listen to this. That he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Did you see that? That he might be Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? That he might be Lord. Let me just say that one more time. That he might be Lord. Christ is risen from the dead, and that's what gives him the right to be the Lord. Christ wants to be the Lord. He, he wants to be the king. He wants to be in charge of you. See, I think somehow or another, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a bad person. Okay, but this is how I feel about my life when God starts saying to me, um, I want to be your Lord. I want to be your Lord. See, I think we have it's just such a common thing. We call him Lord. We call him more. We sing about him. We sing to him. He's the king. He's the Lord. Lord of lords. King of kings. But the, the, true, the true question is, is, is he really your Lord? Is he really the Lord of your mind? Is he really the Lord of your thoughts? Is he the Lord of your opinions? That's really what he wants to be. He wants to be the Lord overall. And that's why the resurrection that Christ is alive is really important to us because His Lordship is really important to Him. That's why He said to the disciples, pray that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven would come on earth like it is in heaven. He's talking about His Lordship coming. He's talking about Him taking over the earth. He's talking about Him having dominion over the earth like he originally designed it to be. And see, we... Are y'all okay? See, this... You know, we can't preach the kingdom of God because there's no kingdom without a king. And there's no king without a kingdom. And so I believe the kingship, the lordship of Christ is really vital for us right now. Or I wouldn't be saying all this to you, obviously. And anybody could say that. Anybody could say the resurrection. But I tell you, when God starts talking to you about it, you better believe it's on his heart. And that God really is calling us into accountability about him being the Lord. And he, won't, he takes his lordship very seriously. Very seriously. And he wants us to take his lordship seriously. He wants us to make him Lord. He wants to be our Lord. He wants us to bow to him. He wants us to submit to him. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a really great thing. You, might, you may be thinking, well, what kind of God is that? Well, that's the best thing that could ever happen to us. Right? I mean, it has to be. God wants to spread His kingdom into our hearts and minds. He doesn't impose His kingdom on us from the outside. It comes from the inside. It's not something that happens out here. It's something that happens in here. 
And he's really asking people to make him the, their Lord. We wonder why we're powerless. And we have such little power. We, anybody, anybody besides me wondering that? Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Sally. You're one person. We're together in this deal. We're wondering what's wrong with us. We're reading the Bible and thinking something's wrong with us. Well, I can thank you. I believe you can trace it back to this one thing. It's about, it, about, his, about his, him being the Lord because he was dead, and now he's alive, and now he's the Lord. Okay, I think that has something to do with our issues that we're feeling like we don't have what it takes. We feel something in us. Are y'all all right? Let me read Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah, see, God wants to take us in a different direction. Hey, you know, uh, y'all have heard this story, I'm sure. Uh, once there was, I may have told this story. This is a true story, actually. This was back in the days of Apollo. Remember Apollo rockets? Not NASA. If you're young, you probably don't. You just think about space shuttles. Well, there was this thing called Apollo, and even before that, there was this thing called Mercury. And before that, there was uh, Russians that went in and have a, had a chipmunk in a, in, a, in, a, in a Sputnik. They shot this little monkey up into space because they were scared to go, you know. And, then it, and the United States got scared because Russia, who was the Soviet Union at that time, has a a rocket in space with a monkey in it. We've got to do something better. We'll send a rocket up there and put some people in it. Because <laughs> the monkey came back and he was okay. It must be okay for us to go up. Poor monkey. <laughs> what if something would have happened to that monkey, man? And, you know, he would have died of natural causes or something while he was up there. We would never have gone to the moon. <laughs> you know? It's true. Anyways, uh, when they were building the launch pad for a for the uh, Apollo's rockets program, it was a much larger, more powerful rocket than Mercury. It was a, a major one. And so they had, to re, they had to rebuild the whole launch pad, okay? And they had to go deep into the earth, I mean really deep, way deep, to build a foundation that could withstand the power of this rocket Okay, because this was a solid fuel, and once it lit, it was going, it, you couldn't stop it, because it was solid fuel. It wasn't like a valet, turn that thing off, and we don't want to go, we changed our mind. Once it caught on fire, it was gone, man. And so they had to build this, and it was so much power and thrust that it would have destroyed anything. And a, and a construction guy leaned over this deep hole and yelled at his buddies, Hey, what are y'all, where are y'all going? We're going to the moon. You get that? They had to go down to go up. And this is why Jesus said, I'm just going to, I'm explaining to you where I'm coming from. This is why Jesus said when he preached his greatest message, the Sermon on the Mount, okay, started in what, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The last thing he said was this. He said, whoever hears my words or my, these sayings of mine and obeys them, is like a man who built his house on the rock. And when the winds came and the wet rains came and the floods came, that house stood. But whoever hears these sayings and don't do them, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The winds came, the rains came, the floods came, and great was the fall of that house. And I think that's what happens to a lot of Christians. You see, the resurrection... It's part of what we stand, it's literally what we stand on, that Christ is alive. That's what he's talking about. A truth that cannot be compromised, that will not be compromised, that can withstand the greatest storms of life. The greatest, most difficult things we go to, we lean back. We're doing this, we're going through this because of a person. Because this person was dead and he's alive, and we have given everything to that person, to follow that person. That's how you live the Christian life. That's how you're victorious. That's what he said. He didn't say it was all these elaborate things. He said it was basic things he said. And you go look at the, the Sermon on the Mount, and you'll be shocked to discover some of the basic things he talked about in there. That's what he was talking about, building upon. 
And we'd be wise to pay attention to what Jesus said if we want to do what he did. Are y'all okay? Y'all looking at me like I'm some kind of crud. All right, listen to this. All righty, listen to this. This is great. Well, you know, Paul had these two amazing prayers in Ephesians. I mean, really, they are amazing. Uh, One of them is for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay, the other one is for the government. It don't, it's the, the Greek says, the government of God would come into my heart. The government of the Holy Spirit, so that Christ could be formed in my heart. And I could know love, I can experience love, I could have the fullness of God. Those were his two powerful prayers, I suggest. I suggest we always pray them. But I'm just going to catch the end of the first one. Okay, because this is really cool. I've not thought about this much until recently. He, he prayed for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That first, that we would know Christ. Second, we would know the hope of His calling, which means your purpose, your dreams, your destiny, your life that God created you have, and that you would next you would know your value to God, your love to God, how God looks at you, how your identity. All those things are tied up. And then the third part is what I want to read to you. And because and, the, the three words, what is, we would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Listen to this. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. When he raised this power that worked in Christ. Paul said, I want you to know about this. I want you to know about this resurrection. I want you to know about this living Christ. There's this power that worked in Him. And I want you to not just know about it mentally, but I want you, because that word know means a personal encounter, a personal experience with this power. That's what it means. I think this is pretty good myself. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I'll be telling you, this is true. This is going to make a difference in some people's lives. This is what is going to take you and launch you into the next season. This is what's going to give you this anointing that you want. This is what's going to give you the spiritual authority. Listen, it, you've been prayed for about 9,000 people by now, right? I mean, everybody and his brother has tried to impart something to you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just they're just tired of it. You know, I mean, just dang, dang. What, are we going to pray 80 more times for you that you would get this impartation? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there comes a time when like, that ain't working. There comes, and it does work sometimes, but after 83 times, man, I mean, dude, I'm not having you pray for me no more. There's either something wrong with you or me or something. You know, I'm just done with this, you know, impartation from you at least. I'm going to find somebody else that might can do a little bit better with the impartation deal. <laughs> Actually, uh, I was telling uh, somebody, Don Casperson, he sent me this, this uh, interview with this guy, and uh, he, it was pretty good. Uh, well, you know what made the interview really good? This guy had an accent. He was a Norwegian Guy, and it was really a great accent, so it made it easy to listen to him. But plus, he has some amazing revelation about the Father's love. It's just a sweet thing to listen to, you know, especially when you believe like that. Like, oh yeah, 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 mm-hmm, yeah. That feels so good. Somebody affirm what you believe, and especially when they say it in such a beautiful way. But he said he started talking about impartation. And he and he said, you know, that's. He said, you know, I've told some people that want impartation from me, they say, I want what you got. And he said, well, are you willing to go through a broken back like I went through? He literally broke his back. Are you willing to live with a messed up neck? And he had cancer last year. I mean, he's gone through a lot of bad stuff, and God's healed him and delivered him, but he's saying there's just something, there's something better than impartation, and that is inheritance. Isn't that cool? It's inheritance. It's a son and daughter. You, at some point, we've got to tap into what the Father has. It, it, impartation is great. Inheritance is better. As a son, I thought that, that made my day when I read that. I thought that's the one thing on there that I will cherish because I never really thought about that. But This is what Paul was talking about here is that we would receive the inheritance of being sons of resurrection. 
That's what he's trying to get. That's why Jesus will say, this is important for you to know this. It ain't just that I was dead and alive. You got to get some. I'm the firstborn of many. I want you to get what I got. I want you to understand what I understand. I want you to begin to live your life like I live my life. I'm not, I'm not just this unique race and y'all are all just a bunch of wannabes. No, he said, I'm inviting you to have what I have. To have resurrection life. Operating in you. A life that was dead, but death couldn't hold it back. Now, that's power. And Paul was praying this, that the Ephesian church, which was a beautiful church, obviously, a glorious church, he was saying, I want you to get this revelation about God's power. I want you to get this revelation about, the re- about Jesus Christ, about the resurrection power of Christ that's in you, that's alive in you. I want you to see it by revelation, not by Bible study, not by it's the basic doctrine of the church. All of that doesn't help you. He said, I want you to get the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you can begin to know this on a deep and personal level. And when you do that, something's going to happen in you. Something's going to change in you. I think that's what makes it so awesome. He said, when she worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, listen, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, isn't this beautiful? All principality and power and might and dominion. I mean, he's covering a bunch of stuff. Principalities, power and might and dominion. Everything that Paul could think of that had some kind of power, that had some kind of influence, he's saying Christ is above all of that. He's above all of that because of the resurrection power. If he didn't rise from the dead, he would just be like some most other people. He just died. He just died. He was a good guy, and history says he was a good guy. But we don't believe that today. We don't believe that. We believe something more. We believe something bigger. And Paul is saying, I want you to get the revelation of that, that that not only was for Christ, but that was for you. That was for you to walk in. That was for you, for that to beat in your heart, and for that to live in your heart. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but... Also in that which is to come. In other words, history, present, future, there ain't nothing ever going to be better. That's what he was saying. This is as good as it gets. This is the best of God. This is the best of God. This is amazing. See, we want, well, is that the best of God? Because it's all in our minds. If you thought that, somebody in here did think that, by the way. It's because you only understand it with your mind. You don't understand it with your heart. Because when you understand it with your heart, it grips you. And that's why Jesus spent 40 days talking to his disciples about it. Because he wanted it to grip their hearts. And he wanted it to change them. Because he was going to let them finish what he had started. You know, it's a big deal, you know, to be the first ones to do what they did. I mean, he said he knew that they, they really need to get it and they need to get it so they could tell the next generation about it so the next generation could get it and just keep passing it along, passing it along, passing it along. And then he says, he put all things under his feet. Isn't this beautiful? Put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things. The church. Gave Christ to be the head of the church. That Jesus is the Lord of the church. Which is his body. His fullness. The fullness of him who fills all in all. And that's why. If we're the body of Christ. That's why this resurrection thing. And this living thing that God wants us to impart to us so we can walk in the power that Jesus, remember the scripture I read for you, that Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. But why did he do that? He was showing us what it looks like. He was demonstrating to us what this resurrected life would look like on the earth. Every person 
has the potential to live their life like Jesus lived. Because Jesus has come into every person's heart. And he wants to express his life and live his life. But he doesn't have a dead life. He has a living life. And he wants us to come alive in him. And mm, I've always said this. If Jesus Christ came to our church, he would be the most boisterous guy in the room. He would, you, you think some people in here, you think Joel Forsythe, where's Joel Forsythe? You think Joel Forsythe has got some weird worship dance. Uh-uh. Nah. He, make Joel, he, Joel would look like a Presbyterian. Compared to Jesus, when Jesus came, because Jesus would be so wild, you know. I was watching Joel the other night. We was up in Chapel Hill, and Joel was up there. And there's a couple other people out there that really do weird dancing. You know, it's like, man, y'all, y'all got some weird dancing in this church, man. I'm telling you what, Joel, you fit right in there with all that weirdness. You know, the weirdest bunch of dancing I've ever seen. More power to you, though. I mean, you know, I mean, whatever suits you, right? Becky likes it. I mean, I like it as long as I don't have to do it. <laughs> Like somebody else is doing it. They're fulfilling that part of, of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Hey, by the way, uh, there's a, a video that Matthew sent back out yesterday. There's a, a homeless guy that goes to his church. And uh, somebody did a video of this guy and, uh, and what this guy does. This guy, speaking of Ephesians, he's, he's, this guy has these notebooks that if you talk to him, he will put you in his, he'll write your name down in his notebook, okay? And Becky's name's in the notebook. And he prays those two prayers in Ephesians every day for every person he writes in that notebook. And he's a homeless guy. Yeah, it really is. And he don't just do it for the people at River Life Chapel Hill. He does it for people on the streets. He did it for the UNC basketball team. And I heard this woman said, they need prayer. <laughs> He did it for the football team because he hangs around on Franklin Street where all these students, you know, hang out and do all this crazy stuff. And, and so he's out there, and he'll talk to them, and he'll write their name down, and he will commit himself. And he literally every day prays for all of these people. It's just a, and the video is so well done. Whoever did it, it was just amazing. In fact, the guy was better on the video than he is in real life. <laughs> so I thought, man, he's awesome. But I already know this guy. I didn't think he was that awesome. Just kidding. Okay, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to pray for y'all. I'm not going to pray for me. I'm praying for y'all now. I pray for myself every day. I need prayer every day, right? Here's what I believe, okay? I just believe that God is interested in us humbling ourselves to these truths. Okay, that's what I feel. I feel, you know, like the resurrection. It, for us to really embrace that and applaud that, not just in an Easter way, but in our realm of being caught up in the Spirit and all that, angels and all that, but if we would humble ourselves to these basic things, okay, I believe that's the key for our future. Because I believe there's power in those that we've not tapped into yet. I believe that God wants to give further insight on truths that are basic and that are foundational. To me, those are the things, when I, when I pray, those are the things that God talks to me about. He don't talk to me about how, right now, and I've had God talk to me a lot about having visions and dreams and all that, and I'm, I'm totally into all of that, but he's not talking to me about visions. He's not talking to me about dreams. He's not talking, he's talking to me about stuff like that Jesus Christ died, and Jesus Christ is alive now, and that can have a major impact on your life. That can change your life. And I want to talk to you about that and tell you how that can change your life. That's what he's talking to me about. And so I want to pray for you. One thing I want, I want to ask people in this room to do is I want, I want to ask you to humble yourself. I, I think there's people in here that need to humble themselves about worship. 
Okay? And I, was, I feel that. I think some of you, worship is an amazing experience. It really is. And I, I really want to experience. And I love feelings and I love emotions. And I want the worship team to re- do really good because when they don't, you know, I, I'm disappointed for them, number one, because it's hard, right, Jacob? Sorry, Jacob. <laughs> but I'm more disappointed because God deserves to be worshipped. That's the most important thing. And I just feel like if we could just get some of this right and get this order in our life right, if we could just get order, get ordered, all this other stuff that we want, all these other experiences that we want, I think they'll just be a byproduct of something that God is interested in gathering us. The Bible says, he said, I want to gather you under my wing. I want to draw you ever close to my heart. And I think when we get there, we begin to hear what beats in his heart. And we can go out from there and do what he's called us to do. And so I think, you know, I really encourage you by humbling yourself about worship. And not be resistive about it. And I'm not suggesting any kind of outward expression. But I am saying this. If you read the Bible, people who worship had an outward expression most of the time. I mean, I'm sorry if you're one of these people that says, well, I I worship just inside. I don't know if that's 100% true. That you're being, I don't know that you're being 100% true with yourself. Okay? I'm just being honest with you. Listen, I was one of those guys at one time who would say that. But the truth was, I wasn't telling the truth. I wasn't being true with me. Okay? I was resisted because I didn't necessarily like outward expressions. And so I had to come to some truth about it for myself. Okay? And once I came to that truth, I got free. I got free in my heart to worship. And it's like Ken Helser. I think I've told y'all this. I love this Ken Helser story. This is back in the 80s. He came to our church and he had a tie on. <laughs> I said, what do you got a tie for? You know, we're free. You know, we can dress the way we want to. We're free. We're, you know, we're a bunch of old hippies. We're, we're free to come. We don't have to come to church dressed up no more. We're free. And he said, I'm free to wear a tie or free not to wear a tie. <laughs> he was way more freer than we were. You know, and I think once you cross a threshold with the Lord in worship, then you're free. You can get real free. You can be free to stand, sit, stand on your head. But I think if there's, a, if there's not being a truth in your heart about it, you're not free. You know, and I think God wants to free people because, again, the Father's seeking people who worship Him in spirit and truth. Be moved by the Spirit and be truthful, be honest in your worship. Ooh, mercy, Lord. And the other thing is, I think with this, you know, things like the resurrection, things like um, the kingdom of God, which is the other thing he talked about. Uh, and then the third thing he talked about was the Holy Spirit. This is in his 40 days, Jesus. And, and then the fourth thing it talked about was the uh, ascension of Christ. See, all four of those things were really important things in Jesus' heart. For his people. For his people to carry into the birth of the church. And for the church to release into the world around them. And bring people in to that. And I think if we'll humble ourselves to those truths. I think they can have a profound effect on our lives. But it does take a little bit of humility. It does take us getting off our high horse, getting off our doctrinal high horse, or our theology high horse, our practice high horse, all of that. It takes us getting humble to the Lord and, and feeding on what He wants to feed us on. You, you get what I'm saying? Let me pray for you. Thanks, Marlon. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> you want to stand up? I'm going to pray for you. Hey, aren't you happy this morning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, sir. The Lord's good, isn't he? I pray that, uh, that God would, would win that battle in our minds. I pray that for each one of you. I pray against religion, you know, the old spirit of religion that, tie, that just ties us down. 
Hey, I wanted to say this. This is something the Lord told me the other day. Now, when I say that, it's a thought that came to me out of the blue, which I wasn't thinking about. But we have to be careful that we don't play in mud puddles. You know what a mud puddle is? It's where it rained real hard and, and all that's left is a puddle. And we're playing in a nasty puddle. It's gotten dirty. And that's what happens a lot of times in churches that experience moves of God. They want to just play in the puddle of what God did. And God doesn't want that. God wants something new and different for the church. He wants a fresh rain for us. And as long as we're playing in the puddle, I don't think he's, he doesn't, it doesn't seem like he releases the rain. So just pray if that's you this morning and you're having a hard time embracing God in the now that you would let go because you're playing in a dirty mud puddle and there's all kinds of disease and germs and puddles. What was once refreshing and beautiful is not refreshing and beautiful anymore. It's a mud puddle. There's no life in mud puddles. It's just drying up. It's just mud. It's mud and a little bit of water mixed together. Lord, we just pray you deliver us from that. I just pray for everybody, Lord, that... Just pray, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon our hearts afresh today, Lord. And I ask you that the eyes of our heart will be further enlightened, Lord, to see Christ, Lord, and, and that we would put a focus on the person of Jesus, that Jesus would become our focus, the person of Christ, Lord. However you choose in each one of us personally and individually to see Him and know Him, but I just pray that it be a hunger released in this room to people to know, to know the Lord Jesus, to truly know Him, Lord, and to, to know that, he, that You're alive, Lord, and that would become such a reality to us that we'd be convinced of that. It would persuade us, Lord. It would mess with us, Lord. Lord, we wouldn't settle for a dead Christianity because we have a living God. We have a living God, and we have built... I mean, we are building our lives on the truth, the life of Christ, Lord, of, of a living God. I just ask you to release that on people today, Lord. Every person in this room, Lord, release it. Release it, Lord, that we would come into something special with you, Lord, and we would know you today, Lord. I just thank you for that, Lord. Amen. That was really good. Let's give Byron a hand. That was powerful. Woo. Makes me really excited about what the Lord has for us in this next season. It's going to be so good. I think we are in for a really great ride ahead. I, I believe we're going to see the church begin to influence our spheres of influence around us like we have never walked in before, that that door is opening for us. Isn't that wonderful? And it's all because he's really going to pour in a fresh, he's going to pack it in, fresh revelation of our firm foundations of that resurrection power and getting rid of the religion off of us. This is going to be so good. So good. I just see it coming. I preached last Sunday night and um, at, at Chapel Hill, and I believe that that's what the Lord has ahead for us. The religion's coming off, and there is a flood of evangelism behind that wall that has been held back. And as that stuff comes off of us, and we know that we're, that we're who we are, walking in resurrection power, releasing just the flat love of God, identity of the Father, we're going to start seeing a flood of evangelism people coming in, and the influence will begin like we've never dreamed. We're going to walk in a dream, guys. We're beginning to fulfill the dreams of God like we never thought we would see. So, and I believe what Byron preached this morning is a key. It's so good, so good. So, amen. Let's just say amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's get the ministry team up. We want to pray for people this morning who we're, we still believe in impartation, by the way. We're not giving up on that. <laughs> but it's not everything. But we want to lay hands on you this morning. Pray for the sick. And we want to pray for those of you in the room that really need to give your life to Jesus this morning. You've never really experienced that resurrection power flowing on the inside. 
And it is transformation. As soon as you say yes, a transformation will begin in your life. And those who are not walking with the Lord, we want to just say, come on and get prayed for. Just surrender this morning to that resurrection power. So, And for the rest of you, we love you. Enjoy fellowship as you leave this morning. Be blessed. Go out in the power of the resurrection. Jesus.